Hi, this is Pastor JC. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast here at Faith Outreach Church. We want to invite you anytime you're in the area to come by and visit us at 3001 Wallace Avenue here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Sit back and enjoy today's message. And Pastor Neff has just been a friend to me. I know we, we've tried to come, I don't know, three or four years. and we, we couldn't work it out, either my schedule or his, but I'm glad we made it. And we're here to help you this week. I want to talk to you a little bit about my, I got several books out here. This one's on angels on earth. This is a bigger book, the same material as in this book. But this is a workbook, and it's got like blank pages in here all throughout it. Like this one, for example, and you could study and make your notes if you want. You don't have to go to Bible school to study. You know, it would help you if you study something, though. If you study something, you'll learn more about it than the average person. And it'll make it stick better with you. And I've been studying on this subject, same scriptures, same thing, same, same scriptures for over 40 years, since 1980. So that's 43 years ago I've been studying on this subject. I know a lot more than I have time to say in four services. I have a lot more for about five years. But anyway, I'm just thankful that I did study it and I learned something. I didn't know it all when I started, didn't know any of it. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. (laughs) I wanted to see, I wanted to read a little bit about the table of contents. This is the same material and this, this angel on this picture here is like the first angel I ever was confronted with. He, he's a little bit younger looking in here than the one that I saw, but he had this rod thing coming up past him. He looked similar to this. I was about 12 feet from him. I may tell that today later, but anyway, that's why we put that cover on here. This is my associate here, Brother Sean Gearing. He works church on the rock, been with me over 20 years. Stand up, Sean. And this... <clears throat> And this is uh, Pastor Michael Rabel. He's an apostle. He's an apostle to Mexico. He's been in Mexico for about, uh, about 40 years. He went to Morocco for 10 years and did mission work there. He's, he, he and I travel together to a lot of foreign countries. It's a good friend of mine. He's an apostle of God, has signs, wonders, and miracles. Stand up, Mike Rabel. <laughs> really wonderful folks. I wanted to read you this just a little bit here. Like we have chapters in this book. Same, same stuff's in this. It's just a different format. Giving the more earnest heed. You know, the Bible, we'll get into that today. You've got to give heed to these things. Sometimes if people give heed to it when I first teach it, because maybe they've never heard it. I think you've heard about the word angels before. How much you know about it, I have no idea. And if you're not talking to them and you're not releasing them, then they do you no good. But they are a benefit that God created for me and you to use them. By the way, you have more authority than they do. If you don't talk to them, it ain't going to get done. You know, God's already charged the angels with what he put in them. And what I do is I agree with that from based on scripture and say scripture to them. And that, that elevates that, that activates them to go. All right, we'll talk, probably take a whole lesson on that if we can. What angels are really like, I guarantee they're not what you think. And I'm not telling the ladies that have uh, china cabinets to break all their china, but they, <laughs> they look like little preschool babies with a beer belly and the little, and they're nothing like that. I'm just telling you, if you've ever seen one, and I have seen many of them, 
in my lifetime, I've had a lot of visions. I may share some of those today. Uh, but the, my point is, if you see one in his nor- normal habitat, he don't look like a person. I've had that happen too. They came one time to me, and they were just looked like me and another friend of mine, you know, preachers. But they were angels. But anyway, <clears throat> but if you see one in the natural habitat where they exist typically, you're going to have to have faith or huggies. <laughs> because they are intimidating. I'm just telling you what I know. Yeah. And it's no wonder why they always say in the Bible, you know, there's 300 references to angels. That's a massive amount of scripture. I've been a preacher for 45 years, been saved 50 I'm an ex-drug addict, drug dealer. Got saved in 71 from doing that. But what my point is, is such a massive amount of scripture on this subject. I'm just shocked that the body of Christ doesn't know much about it. So that's why I wrote my book. Of course, this was written 20 years ago. I could write one triple or five times that. And actually, when I get my original manuscript back from the, subscribe, the transcribers, it was 517 pages and the Lord laughed at me. You know, that's not fun. The Lord laugh at you. He said, Michael, 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 when do you think you're going to get a chance to teach all that in the earth? I said, I was hoping maybe somehow. He said, I don't think you'd do it. Reduce it down to about a third grade level. Put the essence of what you know in here. And don't worry about all that other stuff. You could teach it here and there a little spot or two. But you don't have time to teach on all that you know about them. So, and that was when I started. So anyway, it's just an interesting subject to me. I love it. Classes of angels, I don't mean like English and arithmetic. I'm talking about different levels of angels. They're all different. There's four or five that I can see in the scriptures and I've found before. But then I read uh, Richard Sigmund's book on my time in heaven. You know, a guy got killed in an accident and he was in heaven for eight hours. He talks in there about seeing 12 classes of angels in heaven. Then he later said another hour, listening to his narrative of his own book, he said, I found about 70 classes. So it's evident that I sure don't know all that yet, and I'm sure you don't either. Let's just settle it. But if I can get you interested in doing something with your life and putting these creatures to work for you, your life will be changed. Life will be easier for you. I know we used it in our thing on confession, and rightfully so, to release them to go and get the money. They're not counterfeiters, but they know how to influence people to give money to projects or to you personally, whatever we might need. So anyway, there's different classes than angels on earth. We are talking about that this morning. I'm not so much in care or in tune with all the angels in heaven. I know they're in there and they're up there. But since I've never been there personally... Uh, I have my Bible, and that's what I have to base it on. But I'm really not interested in what's going on in heaven right now because I don't live in heaven. My spirit is in authority in heaven. I'm seated with Christ in, at, at right hand of the Father. But I'm just saying, so I really deal with this earth because this is the planet we're working in. All right. Angels and worship and intercession, I don't normally get into that much because there's so many other things I think are more important right now. What angels do, it's not a complete list, but it's a good list I put together. Angels in order, the reason I brought that out is because angels do not like things in your life. If you're a chaotic person, if you kind of flow by the seat of your pants, you're going to have a hard time getting them to work for you because you're so disorganized. 
I'm not rebuking you. Just do what you want. If you don't want them, that's fine. I'll call down to the unemployment office and take yours with me because I know how to work them. <laughs> I used to say that when I was younger and God's kept adding to me. Now I've got a big group that follows me. And they work for me, not you. So don't make fun of me. I'm just talking. Yeah. Angels take us places. They're here to take us somewhere by the time we get to Tuesday night. Because that's the length of our meetings here. And I'm thankful I got four services. I appreciate it. I'm just saying this is a big subject. Our authority with angels, and if I didn't put that chapter in there, it wouldn't do any good to give you this book because you wouldn't do anything with it. If you don't know you have authority over them, don't matter what I teach you. Same for my deliverance material, which is out there about demons. I've studied that even two years further than I studied on angels. And if you don't know you have authority over the devil, you'll never deal with him effectively. And God's not requiring me because I know how to deal with him to do it for everybody else. Now, if somebody's here and they're lost or they're addicted to something, you know, you're just barely saved kind of person. You don't really study. You don't really pray. You don't do much else. Then maybe I could help you momentarily, but I can't live your life for you. Okay, I'm going to have this guy pat me on the back or go over here to Sean if you don't start responding a little. I'm going to quit talking about this because I'm not getting nothing from you. <laughs> I kind of tease with you, kind of, but I'm really being honest. I'm a prophet, and a prophet likes response. Normally they do. I think I do, and certainly we, we appreciate it when people do respond. Let's go, let's go over here to uh, Hebrews chapter 1. I'm kind of teasing you and just loosening, loosening you up. And when you get done checking my hair, doing my shoes, and <laughs> what kind of Bible I'm going to read out of, and something that absolutely, you know, maybe means nothing, hopefully we can get started. All right, you look good. So anyway, <laughs> thank you. Hebrews chapter 1 here. Let's, let's, let me start here in verse 13. Hebrews 1.13, and really the whole book of uh, Hebrews is a comparison thing. First chapter and second chapter, part of the second chapter is dealing with angels too. We'll get into some of it. But we need to know that because the first chapter deals with angels and Jesus. And Jesus wins. He's much more important than the angels. Angels are created beings. They're not robots. But I would say they're not... Human. Oh, thank God they're not human. Yeah. You know, with humans, we have to deal with all of their emotions and all the drama. Oh, my gosh. But this is, I was thinking of this the last year or two, meditating on it. I've never had an angel talk back to me. Never. Since 1980. None of them ever said, I'm not going to do that, Dr. Jacob. What do you think about that? I think you're fired. That's what I think about it. No, they know authority and they know what they're doing and they, they have always just complied and been sweet about it. I may be not sweet as they are, but anyway, still. Anyway, so chapter one here, verse 13, but to which of the angels said he at any time, all right, I'm just checking my watch here. What does that mean when a preacher looks at his watch? Usually nothing. Yeah, that's an old joke, isn't it? But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So he's given a comparison there, and he did not say that to any of the angels. 
But he did say that to Jesus. And because he said it to Jesus, he said it to us. So I'd like to reread it so you listen to what I'm saying. Sit on my right hand. You know, that's where Jesus is at and we're seated with him. I had just a little vision about two months ago and it's not macabre unless you just watch horror movies all the time. This may disturb you, but it shouldn't disturb you what I had because it came from God. I saw Jesus' head in a chair. It was like a chair you're sitting in. His head was facing me. He said to me, Michael, what's wrong with this picture? I said, where's your body? He said, you and all the believers in the earth who are joint heirs with me, which you've been telling them for 20 years, they're joint heirs, they're not sub-heirs. Now, now that, if you get a hold of that, it'll change your whole life. If, you're not, if you know you're a joint heir with Jesus, and you are, Galatians 4 tells us that, Romans 8 tells us that, this is telling us that. So he said this to Jesus, but in the essence he's saying that to us too, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That's what you put your feet on. One time I saw that and I put some sticky tabs and put extra tape on the bottom of my shoe and said, you're defeated and I'm not. So when I walked around, he could read it because he's under my feet. I like rubbing it in on him, you know what I mean? I'm not a fighter anymore except in the spirit, but you know, I like to put it back on him. I used to be violent like that and that's not a good way to live, but now I'm just, he's just put so much junk in my life and tried to do things, that I just put it back on him. You're kind of blessed in this regard. My wife's not here anymore. She's in heaven, but she said, honey, you get kind of uh, aggressive when you teach on deliverance. You ever notice that? I said, I sure do. Why do you do that? Because the devil's pushing, I'm going to push him right out the back door. Because <laughs> I know he's afraid of me and he's afraid of people getting this knowledge that I have. You could get my books and just learn what I know and that would help you maybe too for that area. And we can still minister deliverance if we need to, but I'm just talking, my assignment I think this time is on angels to help you. So now he goes back over in chapter one to verse 14. Are they, the they refers to the angels he mentions in verse 13. Are they not all ministering spirits? Now, I'd like to just look at that a minute. They're all, every angel that exists is a ministering spirit. And I'd like to say it different. It sounds so religious. They are all have job, job uh, performance things. They, they know what they're doing. Each, each angel's unique. Some of them are greater than others. Some of them are stronger than others. You know, we see all that in Daniel. One guy trying to take it to a barrier the devil had sealed and he couldn't do it. So Michael came and busted it all up. And that angel came through after he dealt with it. But what I want you to see is they're all ministering spirits. Now listen to me. They, if they're ministering spirits, then that means they want to minister with us and they want to minister to us. I have a lot of angels working with me in the healing ministry. So when we minister in a little bit, we'll quit teaching, zip my Bible, and then I'll just start moving as the Lord leads me, at least for this service. Now, every service is different with me. I say that all the time. I'm not a clone. I'm not going to come back tonight and just do the same thing. I'm going to go to someplace else and teach what I know about angels. There's a lot of material. I said there's 300 references, and 100 of the 300 is areas where an angel came and had a discussion or a conversation 
or talk to a human being and the human being talk to them. And so it shouldn't be weird if I tell you about a vision I had. I didn't ask for any of them. I guarantee when I was a drug addict, I had some visions too, but they weren't of God. Yeah, I don't want to go there. Are they, the angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? Now, see, he's kind of, you get the feeling these angels want to minister, and they do minister. They minister for us, and in some cases, they minister to us. You know, I was a drug addict for three years, and I, I, you know, being a drug addict, not a play with it person. My wife always said she was a drug addict. I said, honey, you were never a drug addict. Stop telling people that you're lying about it. She was not a drug addict. I was. But when you become that kind of a person, you just get consumed with all that. And I was just talking to you here about something here. So... We just have to realize that there's, God was a lot, there's a lot of help in these angels that came to help rescue me when I was a drug addict because I wasn't praying about it. My mother was praying. I don't think she even knew this scripture existed. I don't think she ever knew this scripture existed. But nonetheless, God sent angels into my life to help me during that time where I wouldn't be standing here today because you don't just get into situations that are too, too rough to talk to you about politely. It's just too... Intense, but are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And the reason I was talking about they minister for us, but they also minister to us. So that's important too. So when I was a drug addict, I didn't do everything uh, correctly. You know what I mean? I did everything I was supposed to do for the devil as a drug addict, but I didn't do things I wasn't. Con- Concerned about my health, my mental health or spiritual health or emotional health. All that just went out and I just became a drug addict. That's what I did for three years, get high. I didn't care what you thought about it. I didn't care what my mom thought about it. I didn't care what my dad thought. I didn't care what the police thought about it. I didn't care what anybody thought. I just did as I pleased then. So I don't really want to please now. I'm doing what Jesus pleases me to do. <laughs> but, but my point is I, I got in the hospital Right, I see, it was 19, I got saved in December 71. I quit shooting dope then. I still had some ties to drugs, but not like I was before. And by the next May, I was in the hospital. I was working at a cement plant. I pulled something in my body here, had some real problems, had to go to the hospital for 30 days. And they, these surgeons came into my room before they did surgery. They said, uh, what kind of chemo did you take for your hepatitis C? I said, are you telling me I have hepatitis C or are you telling me I had it? We're telling you you had it, but your enzymes for your liver and your blood work indicates it stopped abruptly. I said, the only thing I did is gave my life to Jesus Christ. You know anything about that? No, we don't know about that. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry you don't, but till last December, this is May of 72, I'm in the hospital. Well, you had hepatitis C. You understand what that means? I says, yeah, if it goes on, I'm going to not have a liver and I'm going to die. Correct? Yeah. I said, yeah, I know what that is. Have you been a drug user? I said, yeah, I was shoot speed every day that I had a chance for the last three years. Or other drugs too, but that was my drug of preference, methadrine. They said, well, you certainly had it. Everything proves that, but it stopped abruptly. So I said, well, maybe Jesus just healed me. I didn't know any better then. I was... Not even a good Baptist yet. 
Okay, that went over good, but I... All right. So that was in 72. And what, you, what I didn't know about hepatitis, as I got, I, I, you know, I got saved, and then I uh, started going back to church. Baptist, that's all I knew. And went to Baptist seminary. I went to Bible school and all that. And then in 2002, I went to an internist one time. He took blood out and he called me at home. You know, they never call you at home unless you just know them as friends. But he called me and said, Michael, you're in trouble. And I said, what do you mean I'm in trouble? Well, the blood I took out of you the other day, it's got all kinds of mess in it. I said, what do you mean mess? Just tell me, tell me what you think. Well, I don't even know what it is, but it's serious. You need to come in and give me more blood. I said, well... I'm scheduled to go to Alabama to be with the guy that's over me in the Lord, so I'll have to come in next Monday or Tuesday. This was Thursday. He said, well, don't play with this because it's serious. I said, okay, I'm not going to play with it. I'll give you all the blood you want. So I'm in this meeting with Dr. Dufresne. I had his phone number, but I didn't want to disturb him about it. I thought when I get down to Pastor Webb's church, Scott Webb, my spiritual father, Dr. Ed Dufresne, was preaching if I can't get to him and I'm not going to push my way through anything anyway, I got nothing to prove. <laughs> I'm just hooked up to him and going to support him. I will write a little note like, dear Dr. Frank, please pray for my blood. Hand it to an usher and give it to him. But I didn't even have a chance to do that. I was there the first night. Dr. Frank got up. I don't know if you've ever seen him do it. And he's trying to figure out where to land, he calls it. And he just, he gets frozen in a trance like this. He just stood there for, it seemed like a long time, maybe a minute or maybe 45 seconds. And he went, uh, Dr. Jacobs, where are you? And I said, I'm back here, sir. It was filled with preachers, probably 50 or 70 of us. Stand out in that aisle for me. And I stood out there and he said, God shows me there's something wrong with your body. Now, how would he know that? He picked it up by the Holy Ghost. Maybe God showed him that. I don't, I don't know. I didn't ask him. I was just thrilled that he was picking something up. <laughs> And he said, there's an angel standing behind you. And he's kind of chuckled. He said, I know you believe in them and he's come to fix you. Said, Praise God. Now at that time, the angel hit me in the head and down I went. I went back to the doctor Tuesday and gave him all the blood. By Friday, he called me and said, I don't know about you, but man, somebody likes you. Your blood is perfect. <laughs> but I had a man in my church that liked me in the 70s. He was a drug dealer, a drug user mainly. And then all of a sudden he had a reoccurrence of this hepatitis C because it can hide in your body for a long period of time and then re-come back and come back with vengeance usually. And I don't know that that's what I had. It wasn't proven, but my doctor said it was serious and he wanted to look into it. So he did and now everything's perfect. That's a good report. <laughs> he wants your blood right, you know what I mean? Yeah, praise God. So let me, let me talk about this verse 14 a little further here a minute. First of all, the Weymouth translation says, are they not all ministering spirits? And he says here, they are a benefit in his New Testament, the Weymouth New Testament. The angels are a benefit for us. And a benefit means a useful aid or a help. Now see that God loves us so much. He gave mankind, all humans... And I, you can study this out. I already have. I'm already there. But anyway, he didn't say if you had saved parents and all that kind of nonsense. He said you're born into this earth and you get an angel assigned to you. And of course, I've studied on the other side of that. You also have a familiar spirit assigned to you that knows your family better than you do. 
and knows all the secret sins that they've done. And if you don't know it, then things come up on you and you said, oh my God. But it may, you may have had 10 relatives die of that earlier, but you didn't know anything about. But anyway, I'm talking about the angels here. So these angels are assigned to us very early in life. Now here's the deal. Somebody said, well, if that's true, how come so-and-so, they had a little baby and it only lived to be three? I don't know. You know, when you ask me questions like that, I would have to answer you intelligently and say, as many weirdnesses and weaknesses there in humanity, I'd say that's about how many reasons there are why people don't get things fulfilled. When your baby's first born, you have to begin to have faith in the angels like I did and begin to declare. And I took a piece of paper. I wrote down in my wife, I had her write down. I did one side, she did the other. Every weirdness in our family that we knew of. I mean, people had mental problems. People had emotional instabilities. Uh, women were get breast cancer. Ladies, uh, men got other kinds of cancers, heart problems, whatever. We just wrote it all on a piece of paper and I wrote Deuteronomy 28. And then I wrote Galatians 3.13, verse 13 and 14 and verse 29. And then I put my hands on it and it was my wife. We were going to get pregnant to have a baby. And I said, I'm stopping this curse on my family right now. Jesus name and they just did that you know and just dealt with it and when my kids came I believed for the angels to help them and guard them and take care of them protect them whatever force they used I give you license to do that and there's some bad motor joes in there you know what I mean some bad mama joe doogies what's that <laughs> my bad mama joe doogie I used to live with some bikers and them some bad people I mean I thought I was bad until I met them they were just some rough people. I'm not bragging about that, just talking about stuff. But the angels, they're able to take care of you. One of them in the Old Testament slew 185,000 men in one night. He's a bad motor scooter, buddy. I mean, there's no ranger, no army seal, no Delta Force guy that do that that I'm aware of. So, and then we know that they look bad too because, you know, uh, when they came to, what was it, uh, who was over Jerusalem then? I don't know if it was Pilate or Herod. Herod, they were all crazy, all the Herods, if I remember right. But anyway, they came to him and said, they're going to steal his body, sure enough, and they're going to act like he raised from the dead. If you don't stop it, you're going to lose all your perks. You know, at, uh, at the old Opryland Hotel and everything, <laughs> or whatever. You know they think like humans. They're just like us, just way back like us. And so he, when he called the army, he didn't say, put those new recruits on. He said, put SWAT on it. Yeah. Guys that know how to handle other beings and beat the tar out of them and kill them. Don't let them get to his body. That was the command from the general kind. And the angel showed up and sat sitting on a rock. And you read it for yourself. It's in Matthew 28 that they shook for fear. They fainted. These were tough guys too. They were battle weary. You know what I mean? They knew how to handle themselves. And keep themselves alive in battle. But they, they weren't no match for that angel. They shook for fear and they fell out. I'm telling you. All right. So the angels are a benefit to us. Let me say that again. Remember the, the Weymouth says they're a benefit, a useful aid or a help. If you use them for that, they'll help you. Whatever the Bible teaches about them. There's, I have a chapter in my book I just mentioned things they do. And I didn't mention everything they did. I just picked out about eight or 10 that I think is most essential. 
that they do. And they, one of the things they do, they try to do for you is protect you. I mean, you can override stuff too, you know, because you're in control, not them. But you, when you learn to release your faith in them to keep you safe, then things just change around you. Their assignment is to keep you safe in the earth. I mean, whatever that takes of them, that's just too bad. You just have to do it because they have the ability to do that or they couldn't protect us. Ta-da! You see it? <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to help. Yeah, so we're talking about a lot of things here. And here's something else to realize in verse 14. I'm still in Hebrews 1.14. You believe it? The Amplified Bible, which I had to take Greek in seminary. They made me. And it was a hard language. Eight tenses. We have three. So you can imagine how elaborate the Greek is with eight tenses. But it says in the Amplified Bible of Hebrews 1.14, the angels are an assistance to us. They are given to assist us in whatever we need to do in the earth. You know, I have a staff back home. It's kind of a dual staff right now because I'm working out of that church still. I was the pastor there for over 30 some years. But like Sean, he works for me, but he also works for my son who's the pastor. And I have other people there that work for me too. And they work with my son because he's the pastor. I'm not trying to pastor anymore. I'm a prophet, so I'm not trying to fulfill that role. But my point is, they helped me do things that I couldn't do without them. See what I'm saying? I remember Dale. Now, Dale's worked for me for about 40-some years. He's semi-retired now. Huh? Okay. He's just semi-retired. But I, I like shredders. Now, don't get me started. I know you've got stuff that I'd going to laugh at you about if you told me you're fetish. But I like shredders. They turn me on. I like them. <laughs> And I burned up two or three of them already. And I've been thrilled to burn them. I was in Kentucky a while back. One of my sons took a picture of them. They had a mobile home up on a big bed and they had a big green button. Oh, I wanted to push that so bad. I didn't work there, so they didn't let me. But yeah, I like shredders. So I'm going to go somewhere in the world to go preach. I don't know what country or anything. I told Dale, I want you to get me a shredder while I'm gone. You have a credit card for church, don't you? Yeah, go get me, take the old one, get rid of it, and give me a new one and come into my house. I told him how to do that and take it out of the box, plug it in in my office, and shred something to make sure it works. And I'll be thrilled when I get home. <laughs> and I was thrilled when I got home. See, my books and my bookshelf, some of them are shaking because they got a little unbelief in them, and they know if I find it, you're going into shredder. I love it. And all I did was give the command to Dale to go do that. I didn't do that for him. He had a card that we paid for as a church. And he went out and did all that. I was in another country preaching. But he got me another shredder. It's kind of like that. The angels will go do things for you that... You're not personally there, but you gave them the credibility and the license by the words of your mouth to go do that. And to keep you safe from every evil work. Yeah. So, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? We just said it this way. Everybody in the body of Christ has a function. You'd go, yeah, that's right. There's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. How about ministry of helps? 
How about the person that works with the kids? How about the person that mows the grass? How about the person that runs the sweeper? How about the person that plays the organ? How about the person who sings? How about the person who watches nursery kids? And just on and on I could go. Everybody has a place and you have a job description, so to speak, with whatever you do. And that's what he's saying about the angels. They all have distinctive things to do. I have one angel and he works with me in my healing ministry, but he has a laser that shoots out of this finger. It's like a white laser, like a light. And when people have a lung problem, lung cancer, or COPD, or other types of breathing issues, he just puts his hand on their chest when I'm in the spirit. He, he erases it as he goes through it with his laser. And what looked discolored or maybe light gray or dark gray, one on time it was black. That meant that he's going to die if he don't get help. And he just erased that whole thing, and it just looked perfect when he got done. Yeah. I was in Costa Rica and there was a boy there about 10 years old and he was standing about, oh, I wasn't in a church. I was in a different facility, but we were having church service. I was preaching. Maybe this far from me, maybe a little further back, he's 10 years old. And I'm not making fun, but this is the way he's breathing. He sounded like a machine. He didn't have any equipment on him. You just stand there, 10 year old kid. So I was preaching on angels. I have other stuff I can preach on, but I haven't near preached this out yet. And you, you don't know what I'm going to say. But anyway, so at the end of that, God said that year earlier in my life, He said, Get up and pray. And I got up and prayed for about 50 minutes and I got quiet. That's the way God does me, that's the way I do Him. I got quiet and was listening. He said, I'm giving you a new anointing, Michael. I said, what's it for? It's for lungs, COPD, asthma, bronchial stuff. Okay. He didn't mention the angel ever showing up. I was in Costa Rica when he showed up. So I pray. I said, if you have trouble breathing, get up here. Evidently, he had a big problem breathing, so he came. But there was an elderly lady here. She said, I'm 75, 77. I'm 73. Wow, that seems funny to say that to you because she sure looked old. <laughs> I'm sure she's a very sweet person, but she was old. <laughs> she said, I've had breathing problems all my life. I said, well, you're not going to have them now. And that angel showed up with that finger. I said, lady, this angel's fixing you. And he went like that and she fell out and the little boy was here. That's the only two that came. And, and I didn't know really what was wrong with him. I just knew he struggled. It's like you felt your heart just wanted to, you just felt for the kid like he's going to take his last breath. He seems like he's fighting for every breath he takes. It's just that dramatic. I'm not making fun of him, but that's just what it looked like and it sounded like. So his mother, anyway, I said, son, God's going to fix you. And I got an angel coming to help you. And uh, he didn't do that to him, but he must have reached in there and pulled something because his mother told me that night she came back. She said, you know, he was born that way. I said, well, I didn't know that. But she said something was compressed in there in his rib cage, the way the bone structure, and it pinched at uh, his lung. So it sounds, I know what you're going to think. And he said, it sounds like he's not going to be able to get his breath the next breath. And it's just dramatic to listen to somebody that's fighting to live. That's the way it felt to me. 
But she said, you know, when he got home, he, he was sending over, he got, they got 10 kids in that family. Let's call him Jose. That's a good, you know, Latin American name. And he's standing over there like this, and his mother said, Jose, what are you doing? He said, Mama, I'm breathing, Mama. <laughs> he was normal. Yeah. Yeah, he just got normal. And that angel must have reached in there and restructured something because she said he was born with that that way, and they couldn't do surgery to get him freed up. I don't know. So, But the angel did it. Yeah, yeah. praise the Lord. So we're still talking about verse 14. Is there any more come out of that? There's a whole lifetime can come out of that if you listen. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? I'd like to read this way with your permission. I know it's 2,000 years ago they wrote it, roughly. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation? I'm not going to be. I already am. And you are too if you're saved. You're an heir. And so, and then secondly, I would say it this way if you want to get technical. If he sent angels to help me to get saved, how much more would he send angels to help me now that I am saved? I I wasn't a son of God when I got saved until I got saved. Then I was a son to God. And, you know, a son or a daughter, whatever you are. See what I'm saying? But anyway, I looked this up at this word here, ministering. And now a friend of mine, one of my spiritual sons, you know, I have the... Webster's Red Dictionary, which is collegiate, I think they call it. Of course, you know, America's full with stuff in dictionary land, and they didn't take, and Noah Webster was a committed believer, and they has the one, a green one that's about this thick. That's his original writings. And when I look up definitions in his uh, dictionary, he's got chapter and verse in there. So I decided I'm going to go to this new book that some of my, my friend bought me. I don't know. It may cost 100 bucks. I don't know. Are they not all ministering spirits? And he, the word ministering there, God told me to look that up. So I'm looking in Noah Webster's, and it says to give aid or service to the sick. So we see the angels play a big role in healing the sick and ministering to the sick. The angels work with me do that. And really, I'm required really to tell you that they help you believe with me as they function with me in this meeting here. I mean, I've seen them do a lot of things with people. And I'll give you some examples in a minute here. But this word ministering in the Webster's to give aid or service to the sick, Greek word is 3010. And this is its definition for the, out of the Greek New Testament for ministering. It says to function publicly as a benefit. Now, I had, um, I had a, a lady, uh, I was in Nashville, Tennessee, I don't know how many years ago that would be, maybe 10 or 12, maybe 15, you think? Closer to 15. I had a vision at the, down, I was staying at the Lowe's Vanderbilt, right across from Vanderbilt University there on West End in Nashville. And I had a big, I had a nice suite, you know. So I had my own room, my wife had the other we were, but we weren't separated. I was just separating over there to pray and study during the day. She was doing other things. And I saw this human being in a car and I had a massive accident. And I saw five things injured on this lady. Now, you know, normally I work in the word of knowledge, but it might be, okay, you've got uh, three vertebrae from the top down and that one's injured. Or I, I don't know what they call them. Sometimes they number them. You know, in your spine, I'll say, you know, you got this number or it's up as far from your tailbone that's injured or something. 
But with this lady, or I didn't know it was a lady even at first because I wasn't sure it was a human being in there getting tossed around. But I stopped the meeting because the Lord brought it back to me in my service that night. I'm teaching on angels. And I said, you must be here because God stopped me and said to tell you, you got hurt this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way. Who is that? The lady over here raised her hand. She seemed very nervous. <laughs> I felt for her because she started stuttering. She goes, well, 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 and then she slowed down. I'm sorry. This is my first time here. I'm a visitor, but that's me. I said, was it accurate? She said, exactly. I was injured in five ways. I said, well, lady, I don't know if you understand about what I'm going to say to you, but I normally would lay hands on you to transmit the healing power. If you'll come up, I will lay hands on you. And because of some of the areas I saw her body was injured in, I made sure I said, I will lay hands on your head so she didn't get uncomfortable with what I was going to do because I thought, you know, that wouldn't be if she can't, or she might be skittish to even come up. She don't know me. I don't know her. So she came up. She's about five feet from me. So I stopped and went over that again with her. I'm going to walk over to you in a minute. Lay hands on your head. All you have to do is receive the power. When I lay hands on your power, come out of my hands, go into your body, and it'll heal all those five areas. So I started, and I went like that. And the Lord said, stop, go back. <laughs> okay, want to be word of faith? Let's go. Here you go, baby. <laughs> or go sit down, whatever. <laughs> And the Lord said, tell her one of the angels working with you in healing is going to take care of this personally. So I said to her, and this lady was not a Chinese gymnast, if you, if you understand. You ever watch the Chinese girls do gymnastics? They wrap their head around their leg three times and go. <laughs> this lady could not do that. I don't think she'd ever been to a gym. I, I'm just being serious. Now, I'm not making fun of her, but she was uh, more than full-figured. Let's just say uh, and I said to her, lady, raise your hand, please. And I said, the Lord said, my healing angel is going to, and she started to back like this till her head was back here. Wow. I mean, it looked impossible to do. You, I'm thinking, I saw it, and there was 80 people in the meeting. You think her spine's going to pop through the front of her because there's so much pressure going backwards like that. It just looked impossible and then he brought her up slowly, and then he turned her further than I'm going to go. I don't want to have to go to the chiropractor and this way. <laughs> and then she, I don't know if she put her hands up or he grabbed them, and then he put, put her on her tiptoes like a ballerina and then just let her back down. It took about a minute, maybe a minute and a few more seconds. She was totally healed. That would make, you, make your day. If you see somebody configured like that, and I'm not doing it, and, and God only knows how that angel did that without breaking her spine, but we all watched it. And she said, I'm healed. I said, praise God. Yeah, wow. Yeah, we've had a lot of things like that, and just, uh, and just blessed to see it. Well, I had a young lady in my church, uh, I think she was in her 20s. She's in her 40s now. She married a man in my church. She's about 20, I think, I'm guessing. Just an average built woman. I'll tell you why I'm saying that in a minute. And, uh, you know, very sharp looking young lady. She married a young man in my church. So I saw her in the meeting that night. I was preaching at home and I said, can I minister to you? And I called her up. She got up here and standing like this and I just laid hands on her and I prayed. But I don't remember a thing I said to her. I just knew I needed to get my hands on her and pray. So I did, and then I walked away, and she's still standing there like this. 
I got over there about 10 or 15 feet and the Lord said, turn around and look. I turned to look and now there's an angel standing in front of her like this and he's taking things out of her stomach like this. Not in the lower, not up in her chest, not down there, personal stuff. Out of her stomach and it just looked like trash. It was bad looking. I don't know what to call it. Well, I'm not going to say that publicly because people are already confused enough without me giving them more problems. A lot of people who can't talk to about things like that, they say, oh, you're crazy. Well, no, I'm not crazy. I just saw something, I'm telling you. So I went home that night, and I was with my wife and my daughter. I think my son was already in bed. He was young then, a lot younger. And so I said to my daughter and my wife, you know, when I was ministering to so-and-so, when I got over here, I said, I saw an angel taking things out of her stomach. It looked terrible. And she said, and she, my daughter burst into tears. She said, well, Dad, didn't you know she suffers with... Uh, anorexia and bulimia. No, I didn't know that about her. See, the devil gets hold of people, either boys or girls now. You know, you could be a guy and be messed up just as much as a woman. So I'm not throwing this at women anymore than I'm throwing it at everybody. But, you know, it gets you thinking, you got to fit in a certain type, style, dress, or or you're not going to be approved. Nobody's going to value you. I don't know. Just the weirdest thoughts people have. And the devil just drives them like that. And so when my daughter said that to me, I jumped up from meeting, called her on the phone. I'm not mentioning her name because these tapes get everywhere. I said, this is Pastor Jacobs. I want to tell you what I saw tonight. And I told her, and she started bawling. She's never had another problem with She's in her 40s now. She did later talk to me privately at church. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Because I did a little study on it after I did that happen. And, you know, people that do that and try to make themselves throw up, they said if you do that enough, you end up doing something to your intestines and your stomach juices and your acids that it messes you up and then you're really in big trouble. Things aren't processing properly. Your food doesn't digest properly. It's a mess. And so she was being driven by this evil spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, doctor. You're welcome. I'm not the healer, but I think, I'm just telling you what I've observed. And if I hadn't seen that angel, I couldn't tell that. But it's evident in her life that she got delivered that time. But she said she'd never had another problem. Okay, where are we going? You know where I'm at on my page? I'm right here. I'm tearing it up, aren't I? Yeah, well. <laughs> All right. Let's see if I got anything else I need to say here about this for a second. Let, let me read on into chapter 2. I'm going to read 14, 114, and then 2, 1, and maybe down another verse or two. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. And what were they talking about there? They were talking about angels assisting us in the earth. Least at any time we should let them slip. So if you don't keep these things current with you, they slip or they slip away from you. We could say it that way, maybe better. And then you forget that you had the angels to help you to begin with. You know, when I read this one day and I found out about Weymouth that he said they're benefit to you. I remembered back in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
And before you get out of that Psalm 103, about verse 20, it says about talks about the angels and how mighty they are, and they, they hearken to the word of God's voice, the, or the voice of the word, rather. And so, you know, I saw that, and I went, well, I was there all the time, but I didn't see it in that light. It was just different for me. So this becomes pretty important because you get on down through here. Verse 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now that's talking about not just being born again here in verse 3. It's talking about the way the angels get us delivered from temporary evils that would have destroyed us. If I could do this, just, uh, just I'm just theoretically saying, cut a hole in heaven. Okay, God, send down eight people. <laughs> yeah, what's your name? Betty, Betty what? Uh, Betty Snyder. How old are you? I'm 30. And how did you die? I drowned in the pool in the backyard. Did you go to church as a kid? Yes. Did your pastor ever talk about angels? No. Did your parents ever talk about angels? No. Did you know anything about them? No. Did you know how to spell it? Maybe so, but that's all I knew. Okay, you're excused. Next. How old are you? I'm 22. How did you die? I died in a terrible accident on the freeway. Did you know how to drive? Yeah. Did you hear about angels? No. Did your pastor preach it? No. Did your parents believe it? No. So you didn't know anything about them. You're just out there being a wild kid driver. <laughs> and you went to heaven early. So you, you began to analyze all those people that have early went home. And that's what verse 3 is telling you. How are you going to escape? The answer for intelligent people would say, I'm not going to escape if I just act like the angels aren't doing anything. Trying to show you, prove something for you to help you realize how important it is for them to assist you. You know, and like drowning, all kind, just on and on I could go, just on, being shot, being in the wrong place at the wrong time and somebody's on the other side either high or they don't care about humanity at all. You know, it's just all kinds of weirdnesses that people deal with and go through. But a lot of it, most of it, I would say all of it scripturally, we can get to be Psalm 91 people. Lord, you're my refuge, my fortress. And a thousand may fall at one side and 10,000 on my right hand, but it'll not come near me. So anyway, this, we're just talking about some just general things here. Praise the Lord. We learned anything? I think we are. Let's go over here a minute to Mark chapter 1. I don't know how, I think I've been, I started maybe at 10 after 11. I'm just checking my time here. I don't want to abuse anybody. You know, I know you want to have lunch and you've got something you need to do. And You know, I've been, I've been with people, human being, Christian, so-called Christian people for the last 50 years. I know how we think. All right, now I wanted to show you about Jesus. This is important. I want you to think about this. When I first started studying this subject, I didn't really even know how Jesus felt about all this. And my attitude was, if he don't talk about it much and he don't have anything to say about it, I'm not even going to pursue it a lot. That was my attitude, right, wrong, or indifferent. 
Well, I got studying and I found out he not only believed in it, he took advantage of the angel's help. And then it dawned on me, what in the world am I thinking that I could get through this planet without any help? And he needed angels just to stay as long as he did. And of course, the Bible says he did it. Uh, how, let me say how to say that. They didn't take his life. He gave it up for us. But if he wanted to, because of his covenant and the strength of him being integrous, he never said anything wrong. If he'd have called upon the angels, that'd have been the end of that deal. I mean, he would have never got crucified. He had every right to be delivered. He'd lived perfect. But that's why it's so essential that we understand what he did for us. And we're taking his place now. And as he is, so are we in this world. That doesn't mean I've lived perfect, but I get his righteousness. You and I get his right and how he lived. And it's to our charge that he did that for us or for me. So let's see here. Mark, one of the first things he was under a lot of pressure in um, when he went out and fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Mark 1.13. And he was there, Jesus, in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan and was with the wild beasts. Now, see, I think we read that and we're thinking about the zoo. There's somebody that's tranquilizer gun up in a tree, and if that buffalo gets crazier than lion, they just shoot him, and he's going to be narcoticized for a while. But that's not true in this. this is, he's out in the middle of the wilderness, and the, these uh, wild beasts, they want to eat him. Just because he's fasting, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to see this clearly because it's important. And the angels ministered unto him. We're not told right there how he did it. I'm going to give you some ideas in a minute. But I wanted you to see that the Amphite Bible says the angels ministered to him continually. And one other translation says they took care of him. But he didn't bring him food at that time because he was fasting. But I wanted you to see that he was with the wild beast and, and, and Dayton, uh, Satan was the tempter there on him, trying to tempt him with all kinds of stuff. And the angels ministered unto him. Thank God they ministered and he received their ministry. Whatever it was, he received it. Yeah. Or it wasn't to say he received it. All right, that's just amazing to me. And I was thinking, I don't know why I thought different. I just I had Jesus in a different slot back then being uneducated spiritually. That's what I'm saying to you. And I, I thought, well, I'm going to watch him and see what he said about him and what he, how he lived with the angels around him. I think one time he said, don't you know I could call so many legions of angels to help me? And I think one of those guys from maybe Jerusalem or something tried, <laughs> tried to intimidate him. I mean, they just beat him half to death already. I mean, I don't know why a guy would think he's a big shot to try to say something to somebody like that. And he said, you could do nothing to me unless it was given to you, my father. I have servants, but they're not of this realm. And if I called upon them, they would come and fight for me. I'm paraphrasing that a little bit, but I'm accurate. And he could, they could take care of you too and all your bu- bullies. You know. Yeah. So we're seeing Jesus took advantage in the right way of the angels helping him when he's in the midst of wild beasts. Let's go to Luke 22 a minute, if you would with me. 
And uh, this is when the night before his crucifixion, he's already, I'm talking about Jesus, uh, Luke 22, he's already read Psalm 22 and Psalm 88 and other passages which deal with the crucifixion from the Old Testament. You know, he's living the New Testament. Well, let me say, he's living his life out as an old covenant man. But he's, he didn't have this to look at. He was walking this out day by day. But, in, but I'm just saying something here. He knew from Old Testament readings like Psalm 88, Psalm 22, tells about being crucified, what they do to you. It's a terrible thing. It's so uh, horrific. But here it says in verse uh, 20, uh, Luke 22, 42 and 43, saying, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Because he's starting to see what he, he's going to have to go through. Right. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, I want, to, I want to deal with this verse a minute. And then I've got a couple other verses and I'm probably going to have to let you go. I was going to maybe do another link here, but I don't think I have time to do that and, and minister. So I'll just do this a few more scriptures. You give me a minute or two. But I want to talk to you about this in Jesus' own life. He's starting to realize I'm going to be separated from my father. Number one. Number two, I'm going to go to hell. No, nobody ever went to hell and got out. But him and God got this thing going about the covenant and they're working together to get him in the earth, let him live a, uh, you know, he had to live a, a faith life and a love walk with people. I'm talking about Jesus or he wouldn't have qualified. And like I heard T.D. Jake say this, I don't agree with everything T.D. Jake preaches, but he did say if he hadn't forgave him while he was on the cross, he probably couldn't have got resurrected because faith works by love and it works in a clean conscience. And if you're going to belittle people, though they've tortured you and be mean back, then, you know, he's not walking in love and not walking in faith. I'm not criticizing. I'm just observing. But there says here, there appeared an angel unto him. Now, I, it says from heaven, but I'd like to give you a different slant on this for a minute if you listen to me. Um, it didn't say the angels appeared to him back in Mark 1, but it said there were angels more than one signed to him to help him in that setting. It didn't say he saw them. It said they, they had come and ministered. Now this angel here, now it says from heaven, but heaven is, I read in Paul's writings, you know, Paul is not Jesus here. Paul was after Jesus resurrected. And he said, I was caught up, Paul did, 2 Corinthians 12, to the third heaven. So there must be three heavens. So I started asking God to help me to define that. He said, well, number one heaven is the world of the unseen that's connected to the world of the seen. If you were listening when I started, I said, my angels are here and so are you, yours. I don't know if you even caught that, but they're here. Do you see them, doctor? No, I don't see anything now. But at the same time, I know they're with me because they're assigned to me. And I want to say this boldly because you'll understand what I mean, maybe. They belong to me. They don't belong to you. They belong to me. I'm the one that they, I speak to them. You don't speak to, in my behalf. and I don't do your thing either. So what I'm saying is they're, they're here because I know they're here. Angels go to church. 
They say, well, I don't see him. Well, I mean, the Bible says, I think in John's gospel at the end of the book, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Don't, don't smoke nothing. <laughs> don't smoke it. <laughs> but you get a hold of what I'm saying, don't you? Oh, my nose is bleeding again. I cut myself shaving this morning. Emergency, emergency code three. Okay, I got it. Here we go. I'm all, I got it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I got it. I rubbed it or something, knocked the scale off. Anyway, let's go back. So heaven number one is the unseen world that exists. And angels are here. But let's just, I'm just doing this for, so you could see it. They could be standing over here, but in the spirit world, but all of a sudden they could step through a little veil and then I would see them. That's what happened with Jesus. This angel was there with him, but he stepped out of the unseen world into the seen world. And this has got me now. And he, see, I'm thinking, why would Jesus need any strength? That just sounds foreign to my brain when I first started studying this. Now I'm a lot further along, so I say things now. And just so you know what I'm thinking, I'm going to tell you. If you act, act like I'm a smart aleck or something, I'm not. Or you act like, boy, he sure talks casual about this. My God, I've been studying it for 43 years and taught it all over the world. So if I don't act like that, then I don't know even what I'm talking about. I'm not being flippant with the angels or anything else or nothing will work for me. But I'm just saying to you, you know, when I've studied this for 43 years, had all kinds of situations where they've came and ministered to me and talked to me and helped me and on and on I could go and delivered me and rescued me. But I'm not talking about it like it's, a, it's a, an easy thing. It's just that I'm familiar with them. But that angel came out of that unseen into the saint and he strengthened Jesus. How did he do it? I don't know. We're going to go look at another passage where it tells us how angels can strengthen us. But think about this. Strengthening him. Jesus took strength from an angel when he was at a critical place in his life. He's just a few hours away from getting beat practically to death. You know, Isaiah 52 says he didn't even look like a man when they got done with him. I know Mel Gibson did his best, and the passion I cried through the whole movie too, not making fun. But that's way far away from the scriptural terms. He did a good job trying to get that done, and the guy that played him, I think, did an excellent job. However, when you look at the scriptures... All the curses ever known to man or that'll come next week that we don't know anything about yet. Even that's included. All sickness and all disease. Deuteronomy 28 verse 61 says even stuff that's not even here yet. All of that, he bore all the curse. All the mental problems, all the emotional stuff, all the physical stuff, the viruses, the, you know, just on and on you could go. It just revolted his whole body. So he realizes all that's coming. I, I don't know. I think I would need strength too, but it says the angel strengthened him. Now, how he strengthened him, <clears throat> I didn't even tell you about the other two heavens. You want to know about them? You don't know yet. You just looked at me and didn't say nothing. <laughs> Does anybody want to know about the other two? <laughs> okay. Yay! <laughs> heaven number two is the stellar heavens, the planets, the stars, the moons. The galaxies. I read a special thing out of a magazine 
at an airport one time. I bought a magazine about NASA, and they put up a Hubble telescope. I don't know, it's been 20, 18 or 20 years ago now. It's out in outer space somewhere, land. It sends back pictures to NASA, which is in Florida, I think, or Houston. We have a problem, Houston. You know that. And it said they saw planets look just like Earth somewhere out in the galaxies. And they say there's so many hundreds of galaxies beyond what the one we're living in. You know, we're really kind of limited in how we think. But my point is, you know, that's the second heaven. However far out that goes, the stars, the moons, the planets, the rings around them and all that. I don't know, you know, I've never been out in outer space. So I just know from pictures I've seen. And then the third heaven is the real planet heaven where God lives and where my wife's at. And others that have already left the planet that love God, they're waiting on us. They're praying for us. Hallelujah. All right. So this angel strengthened him. Let's go back to Daniel a minute. Chapter 10. I'm just about closing. I had a lot more to say, but just, I just couldn't get it all said yet. You've been a good group. I've teased you a little bit. Don't get mad at me. I just kind of teased with people a little bit. Some are kind of touchy, though. But <laughs> Daniel 10 and verse 18 and 19 here. I'm talking about now. I'm just showing you examples of people that were touched by an angel and how it affected them. Then there came again, verse 18, Daniel 10, 18, and touched me, one like the appearance of a man. Didn't say he was a man, just said he resembled a man. And he said, O greatly beloved, fear not. O man, greatly beloved, talking to Daniel. Fear not, peace be unto you. Be strong, yea, be strong. Oh, wait, I skipped a line here. Touched me like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. So an angel could touch you, and you could receive strength. So an angel could touch you. I would say that lady over there that I ministered, I talked about this, not a Chinese gymnast. That, that precious lady, she had really busted up from that car accident. But God healed her in front of all of us, 80 plus me. There was 80 people there. And God just did it in about a minute and 15 seconds. Think about that. He touched her and he helped her and he healed her in all those five areas. I mean, it's just almost like, wow. And then it says, verse 19, and he said, O man of greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto you, be strong. Yes, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened. So he could speak a word to you and strengthen you that way. Yeah, I'll give an example of that, and then I'll get back to this verse, and then I'm just going to close in a minute and pray for some people if you need it. Uh, <clears throat> When I, after I got away from drugs, I tried to go into a cement plant, the, what do you call it, um, human resources, to try to fill out a questionnaire to get employment there. <clears throat> and I mean, it was not like, this is your thing, but it was like one piece of paper like that, like eight and a half by 11, and they maybe had 10 questions, and they had these little chairs you sit in, you know, with a partial desk. And I sat there for an hour and 20 minutes trying to figure that out. And I'm not signing up to be a nuclear physicist. Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
I'm just trying to be a laborer to cement plant. And my brain just wouldn't function. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how words can really encourage you. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And then people kept coming in, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different people came in while I sat there. They got their paper from her. They sat at their desk. They filled it out. They took it back to her. There's your paper. Thanks. We'll call you when we need you. And they left the room. And I'm still there after an hour and 20, and mine's not even filled out yet. And I'm starting to feel like, oh, my God, I can't even think right. And, I mean, drugs had just done me a number. I did myself a number. You understand what I mean by taking too many drugs in my system at one time and having no care at all for me at all just to get high. And now I'm just really struggling to think, Am I, this is how I felt. I, of course, I'm a tough guy. You're not going to see me cry in front of you. I mean, you could, but, I mean, back then, and I, I got to my car. I'm trying to walk through cement company people, and these are tough guys. You know, they work hard, and they're rough men, some of them. So I got to the car and I just started bawling like a baby. And I said, God, am I always going to be mentally handicapped the rest of my life? And I was so disturbed in my being about myself right then. Not a selfish thing, but I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> and the devil smarted out to me. He's such a smart aleck. He said, yeah, you did it to yourself, Hot Rod. And before I could say anything, the Lord, he didn't appear, but he showed up and he said, you shut up, Satan. And he's done that for me twice now, Interviewed, intervened for me when I couldn't get it together quick enough to say anything. And then he said, Michael, you're going to be okay. I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you back where you need to be, son. I said, man, I don't know what to say to you, Father. I just feel so, so belittled in my being I'm just so mental I can't even get my brain to function right now and it's terrible and so when he said I'm going to fix you I just said thank you Lord and I just kept crying for a while just because he said that I knew he was going to help me even after I got married I didn't have much of a memory my wife would ask me what we had for dinner last night and I would make up something you know like chicken and broccoli and she said no honey that's not what we try again Roast beef and potatoes? Nope. And then she'd say, Michael, I'm really concerned with you. You don't seem to have any memory. Something left. I don't get it. So, But then she said, I, we were in Kroger's, like it's a grocery store, and I found a friend in there that I'd tried to witness to before, and he was in there again. And so I stopped him, started talking to him about Jesus. And when I got done, you know, he walked left, and I said, <clears throat> you know, it's nice talking to you and whatever. And Diana said to me, my wife, she said, honey, you quoted six or eight scriptures to that guy. You told him where the reference was, and you quoted the verse itself. How could you do that? And she said, see, God's healing you. Yeah. Through his word, I'm yes. learning the Bible, yes. and I'm starting to put things in, and he's starting to use that for life to my mind, yes. my yes. brain, whatever you want, my memory. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, physical doctor, yes. but he's helping me. I'm so glad he did. I'm just so glad he did, and I know you are too.